It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. (laughs) Okay, now we can start. Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. If you build it, they will come, Joel. Seen that movie? You seen that movie, Joel? Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Jordan Malley. Jordan, great to see you. Through our 670 score scope. Yep, where is he? And it's right over there, Bill. Did Matt Peck yeah. get a signed copy of that book? No, Matt Peck, he didn't know. No. I'll talk to D. Rose. Yeah, you got you. Matt, well, you will be getting your book soon. <laughs> Kick back and get ready for the best. Best hour of your day. Are players buying in, Jim? I, yes. Fair enough. And so all I was saying on this podcast, the Locked on Bulls podcast, Locked on Bulls starts now. The Locked on Bulls podcast. You can just see the vibe. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck. What's up and welcome into Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jordan Malley, along with me is Matt Peck. Follow us on Twitter at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Locked On Bulls. Hit us up on our text and voicemail line, 331-979-1369. Drop your text, your voicemails, anything you got for us, 331-979-1369. Welcome back. Hopefully everybody out there in Bulls Nation had a wonderful weekend. Uh, we were just chatting, Matt, off mic before we hopped on how the weather couldn't have been more perfect here in the Midwest, at least on Saturday. So hopefully you guys all had a good, relaxing weekend, got to maybe tap out of sports a little bit. Uh, although if you're a baseball fan, this was the first startup, so maybe you were excited to just dive fully into sports. Uh, but not too much going on in the basketball world, although I will say the things that we will touch on, Matt, are, of course, every time you and I do an episode or we you know, we plan ahead and do a couple of episodes before we go away for a long weekend, something bound to drop and we have to wait a few days to record about it. And that sure enough happened last week. But for, before we do all of that, how are you and how was your weekend, ma'am? What's up, Jordan? What's up, Bulls Nation? Glad to be back. Um, had a wonderful 4th of July weekend. Went down to uh, Kankakee, a little private piece of property that my uh, my small COVID crew of friends rented for the weekend. Uh, brought ample food and uh, and more than enough booze down there to entertain ourselves. Uh, spent some time outside. I basically just left my phone uh, in my bag 
all weekend. As soon as I got there, I basically just completely checked out of Twitter um, and social media for like 72 hours. It was amazing. It was the first time I'd done it in a while. I feel like everybody needs to take those breaks. And uh, and it was a good one, man. It was nice to enjoy things. And uh, and now, yeah, we'll, we'll see if we're kind of getting close to the, to the home stretch for the NBA season, uh, you know, amping up and resuming. Uh, all the while getting, you know, more updates about players opting out and teams with positive tests as we all uh, watch them make their way to Orlando. And, and I think like seven or eight of the 22 bubble teams are scheduled to arrive today and some already have, including Orlando. You feel like they're going to start at the end of July when they said they were going to? I think they will. I think they're going to move forward with their scheduled start date. To me, the bigger question is whether or not they'll finish. And I know you, you and I talked about that a little bit last week, but I think even though you know there are some positive test issues happening and we've seen so many teams in the last just week or so shut down their practice facilities because of positive tests of players or, or staff members, I think once they get people in that bubble in Orlando, uh, they're, they're going to start, uh, regardless of how many players opt out between now and then. I think I'm with you too. And like I told you, I feel like that there is there is no set in stone clause law uh, by, bound by the NBA that says that a new season needs to start in December, which is I'm telling you, man. And, and maybe some people think that they're not going to finish the 2019-2020 season and just kind of leave that open-ended and keep it on track. But there's nothing that says that they can't stop if some if an outbreak happens and they need to shut things down for two or three weeks. There's nothing that, that says that they can't push the start of the season to uh, maybe early January for next year as far as timelines. So I, I'm with you. I think that they're going to push ahead and start this, whether people like it or not. And we're we're seeing the positive tests now. We're seeing guys opt out. And I think this is just more to prepare all of us as we start to ramp up really full time. And we may even see more clusters of, of positive tests as the games start too. So um, I'm with you on that. But I wanted to talk a little bit more about that Delete 8 bubble that we were talking about on uh, Wednesday of last week. And we got more news on that uh, going into the holiday weekend. So, uh, But before that, let's, uh, let's touch on something that a national reporter said over the weekend. Or not over the weekend, but late last week, Matt. We didn't talk about this, but... Brian Windhorse had mentioned something, and I don't know if this was off the cuff and him not really being totally intapped with what's going on here in Chicago as far as the Bulls go, but he had said that he feels like the Bulls are going to bring Boylan back because they don't want to pay two coaches, which I can already tell you doesn't make any sense from what they've already done in the short term. So what did you take of this? What did you make of this? And do you feel like Bulls fans are uh, overreacting? Yeah, I mean, as soon as I heard that, I I tweeted a plea to to Bulls fans to not react to it, to not buy into it at all. Um, and I even gave uh, our friends over at uh, Bulls Gold a hard time when when they posted the audio themselves. I was like, guys, don't spread this. Like, don't spread this BS nonsense. Because the way I look at it right now, um, and I tried to explain this to somebody who was not arguing but debating with me on Twitter about how, how much we need to worry about this and how much we need to worry about Jim Boylan still being here and not having been fired yet. The fan base, I think, is is going through PTSD of a bad front office right now. Bulls fans, to, you know, to no fault of their own, but to the fault of the team, the, the people who ran this team into the ground over the last decade or so, 
are, are just in, in this frame of mind where they always assume that the front office is doing something bad or something dumb or something negligent because it is a repeated pattern of what we had seen time and time again for so many seasons and so many years in a row, so many transactions. And this feeling of, oh, they're screwing this up, is, has been ingrained in our brains. So I'm trying to remind myself every day that Karnaschovas had a pretty impressive resume before arriving. Eversley has a pretty impressive resume before arriving. And I'm putting my faith in them and my faith in the fact that what we heard from the organization wasn't just lip service and not, uh, and not a bunch of bullshit. When they said the new people we bring in will get full autonomy and full authority to do what they want, to decide what they want, to hire whom they want. To me, I'm trying to remind myself of that and to keep believing that and not immediately assume based on our track record of assuming John's going to screw up, assuming Gar's going to screw up, assuming Ryan, Michael Reinsdorf doesn't know what the hell he's doing, that we, we can't just make the assumption that those kinds of things would lead us to believe Wendy pontificating on a radio hit. Oh, well, just because of the contract thing, they might keep Jim around. No, that's nonsense. Contavious Caldwell Pope. Who are high on. That's what it kind of reminds me of is when they threw that wacky idea out there that the Bulls were going to trade for KCP last year. And we just we kind of made fun of it because we're like, that makes absolutely no sense with what they're doing. And it's similar again to this. Uh, I will give you my opinion on it, too, because I want to kind of contradict what he was talking about and why I think he said it. Uh, but before I do that, I want to remind you guys about Rock Auto. Rock Auto is one of a one of the several great sponsors we've had starting this summer and have been with the Locked On Podcast Network and Locked On Bulls now for over a month. And it's the perfect and best place for all of your car parts and auto needs. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for over 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Chain stores have different prices, tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write down locked on in their how did you hear about us tab so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com make sure you mention locked on the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama every monday jackson gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the nba playoffs mark your calendars to listen to locked on nba every monday to be up to date locked on nba Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Uh, so, Matt, I think Wendy said this as a, I'm trying to grab a headline right before the holiday. 
I'm not too tapped in, but here's my general opinion. I'm not reporting anything, but here's logically how I see it from a, a, a thousand miles away. And immediately when he said he, the Bulls don't want to pay two coaches, I'm like, well, that's a lie because they paid Fred Hoiberg to get out of town and they paid him an extra year to get out of town. They extended Jim Boylan while they were still paying Fred Hoiberg. So that they also paid Tom Thibodeau to leave. Exactly. So to me, that made a whole not a whole lot of sense. So I'm like, OK, that has nothing to do with it. And so. If he was talking about the fact that they're going to massage this relationship with Jim Boylan, even if they already have it in the back of their heads that they're going to cut ties, more importantly for me is whether they're going to, if these delete eight games end up happening or some type of weird tournament happens in September, is Jim Boylan going to get one final shot there to coach any of those games? I think that's still up for grabs and we still don't really know about that, but I as far as long term, everything we've heard from any beat reporter that's been here that's been covering this situation for months, if not years, on Jim Boylan since he started, we've heard we've heard it's pretty much over. They're just they're just trying to do it the right way and not set the same precedent that they've had for the last decade with coaches. Yeah. I I, I mean I think you pretty much laid it out perfectly there. Wendy saying, well, the big reason that they would keep him would be well, we don't want to pay two coaches right now. Uh, and even Tom Haberstroh brought that up when he was on the Bulls Talk podcast recently for NBC Sports Chicago, basically saying the same thing. No, again, not reporting, just like Windhorse was not reporting, but speculating as to what the Bulls' new front office might be considering and also whether or not ownership is actually giving the new front office full authority to make these decisions or rather maybe insisting upon them keeping Jim Boylan, which also is ridiculous because as you and I have explained it simply, they brought in AK and Eversley to fix the shit storm that they made. So why would they insist upon keeping this ridiculous coach who has alienated himself from his players on his roster, who has alienated himself from other head coaches in the league, which is a fraternity that they always stick up for one another. Other NBA coaches around the league are probably saying, well, hey, I wish the Bulls keep Jim Boylan because I know I can coach, you know, fucking circles around that guy and we won't need to be worried of of the Bulls improving upon themselves. But, you know, how how many coaches have we seen completely diss Jim Boylan at the the post-game coach wave or handshake? So, and then the stuff about, like, salary specifically. Jim Boylan did get a restructured contract soon after taking over for Fred, you know, midway through the 18-19 season to reflect a more proper head coaching salary than his associate head coaching salary. It still was one of the lowest, if not the lowest, head coaches' salaries in the league, and that remained the same for the extension years on his contract that he got last offseason. So it's not like they would be forced to give the same quantity to a coach who they're paying to go away as they did with Tibbs, who was paid well, as they did with Fred, who was paid very well. I think Jim Boylan's contract and the two years extending are like a little over a million per, one and a half maybe. One of the cheapest head coaching contracts in the league. It's not that big of a concern. Yeah, and I don't even think those details were even given to any of us. 
or haven't been made publicly. And if they had, I can't find them. The specific uh, figures I never saw come out as official, but certain reporters were kind of ballpark guessing. And I, I heard none of them say anything uh, that even reached two million annually. It's always been assumed that it was under two million annually. And you think where his base was too for the season before they talked about it? It was eight hundred thousand. Then they bumped him up to I think like one point one million. Um, so yeah, I would guess that it's right right around somewhere there. But yeah, like if they have to go out and pay another head coach and uh, buy out Jim Boylan, I think they'll do that, especially because it doesn't go against your cap. The Bulls are fully loaded with money. We already know the, how rich the franchise is, so that should that should not factor in, in any decision making that this team makes. And if you're truly if you truly care about what the product is going to be on the floor and how you're going to reshape the actual basketball part of this organization, then you wouldn't let something like paying a coach to to walk away and bring in somebody that you actually want to restart all of this. Uh, that shouldn't even be a factor or consideration considering how, how much money the Bulls are worth and it not going against your cap and not hurting you in terms of what players you can bring in. So that's where I'm at. And I just think it was it was a reporter giving an opinion that he really didn't have all that much knowledge of and it got retracted by pretty much everybody here in Chicago that has been tapped into the situation. So I would say don't bug out and anybody else that comes out and says things like that don't bug out until we actually find out where the Bulls are going to be either training and coming together if this delete eight thing is going to actually happen and what's going to happen over the next couple of months but I would say everybody take a deep breath take a deep breath we're going to be okay and I think the the one thing that is still very possible if not likely when it comes to just how much longer Jim's going to be around is that delete eight scenario and I think even once the Bulls got word that they were not one of the teams that made the cut and got invited to the Orlando bubble, we were thinking, uh, or, or they were thinking, and probably even heard some things from the league after the fact saying, hey, we're sorry that this is, you know, we're only taking 22 of 30, and I know this sucks, but we're still having conversations about something else we might be able to do for those eight teams. And knowing what we've heard AK say about evaluating not just the roster, but the coaching staff, evaluating everything upon arriving and upon the hire, is that he would ideally like an opportunity to shake Jim Boylan's hand, be in the room with him, be at the Advocate Center with him, watch Jim Boylan run some practices, and yeah, maybe even ideally watch Jim Boylan coach a game or two against actual competition, NBA competition. So whether that's this delete eight thing happening in Chicago and the Bulls playing a couple of, you know, summer league type games against these other seven teams or the other possibility that we've heard being discussed is teams just kind of running a a more in-depth training camp kind of thing at their own facilities and then maybe even building out upon that to do a close regional team scrimmage scenario. So the non-bubble teams that are near the Bulls, like Detroit and like Cleveland, like the Bulls and the Cavs could could have a scrimmage. The Bulls and the Piskins could have a scrimmage. And the Bulls could keep Jim Boylan around to be the coach for those scrimmages or for those Delete Eight games, giving AK the path to say, okay, we've seen Jim Boylan, we've evaluated Jim Boylan, and now we're moving forward.
I'm just looking at I, I before before we go more into like the eight teams and who was on the call and who maybe would have a vested interest in actually playing games in a mini style tournament. Were you surprised seeing these results? Like when you and I had that conversation last Wednesday, I was going off of just just kind of rifting on an idea, an idea that the NBA could have eventually. And it was more of just conversational more than any details or inside info that you or I had. But were you surprised at all of all of a sudden seeing that tweet uh, Friday afternoon, late Friday ap- or late Thursday afternoon saying, hey, Chicago and the NBA are thinking about coming to terms with something here for all these Delete 8 teams. People flipped out, Matt, and I think they went in the total opposite direction that I thought a lot of people were going to have about starting something here. And I think it goes back to more of the idea of these teams actually playing scrimmage or meaningless games as opposed to bringing all of these teams to one city, allowing them to quarantine and have a place to and a facility to train for the next couple of months and allowing them to at least do that. I think people were more flipping out about the games. Would you agree with that? The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up-to-date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, yeah, I think so, because I think people saw it as an unnecessary risk. I mean, trying to finish the season and crown a champion is one thing. Organizing this delete eight thing so that the the eight bad teams don't feel left out and don't feel like they're getting put at an even greater disadvantage by not being in the bubble and not getting the opportunity to develop their young talent and evaluate their young talent, and in the Bulls' case, evaluate their coaching staff. I understand those gripes, but to me, with every complication, with every step of planning that the league has faced getting ready for this Orlando thing, and you know, this is something that we, we touched on last week, but to reemphasize it, you know, Michelle Roberts and the Players Association have said if some kind of delete eight thing were to happen, we would have to match every single step of planning and protocol that has been put in place for Orlando. And guess what? Other leagues who are already down in Orlando and trying to get stuff off the ground, it's not going well. Like earlier today, uh, the Chicago Fire, who had their first game scheduled uh, of the MLS, you know, adjusted MLS Cup against Nashville uh, SC, their game got postponed because five players on Nashville's soccer team tested positive um, being in the bubble. We, we're hearing already the, the issues and difficulties that the WNBA players are going through right now and how bad their conditions are with like a, you know, Olympic village in some third world country kind of scenario, a fire festival kind of scenario as some people on, on Twitter are joking about. So we'll see whether or not the NBA bubble work. And I'm guessing the NBA is going to put further emphasis and more money behind their, you know, their bubble scenario than maybe the MLS or WNBA have to spend as leagues. Cause the NBA is much more popular, but even still problems will likely arise. So to make sure that every step of protocol and precaution are taken for eight teams to play against each other for nothing, for literally nothing, 
it just doesn't make any sense to me. I think you bring up a good point about Florida and just in general. And it goes back to my like people asking why, why the hell would they do this? And why can't teams just train in their own state? And I don't think people are necessarily realizing some of these teams and where they're located geographically. And I totally get what you're saying about Florida. And Florida does have a whole mess of problems right now. And so does that Disney bubble. And again, I think they're going to have to, they're going to have to stop. Well, as soon as they start games, I, I would, I would, be willing to bet in the first two or three weeks before they even start playoff games, they're going to have to stop and they're going to have to stop quarantine people for two weeks before they can restart. I think it's only the logical thing, but hopefully they can get through just these training camps before uh, we even talk about them starting games. But I I think, and somebody else brought this up to me too, is if they could go back and know what they know now about Florida, even two months ago when they were planning this, I don't there's there's no question in my mind they wouldn't pick Florida and Disney specifically. My my thinking would be do you think Adam Silver would have picked Chicago? And I think that they were only deterred from picking from Chicago because the NHL's massive interest in coming here and doing using this as a hub city. But I think if they turned it around now and knowing what they know about where the NHL's going, I really feel like Chicago would have been a place where they brought this to happen because we have the facilities, we have the the necessary requirements to do all of that as far as structure-wise in this city. And also, to the testing, the Illinois and Chicago specifically has done a really good job uh, with keeping the numbers low, new positive tests, all of that. So I think that would have been something that would have been top of mind for Adam Silver. But I, I don't know. What do you think? If, if they could go back and not put this in Disney, where else do you think they would have put this? I mean, the you know, the cities that we heard being discussed – outside of Orlando when the NBA was planning all of this, Chicago was mentioned. So was Vegas. So was, I believe Houston. Uh, and we used to see now, you know, along with uh, Florida that Houston um, specifically, and lots of parts of lots of areas in Texas are also being, being hit hard by this right now. So that wouldn't have been a great idea. Um, I mean, it, it, in some ways it's hindsight, but in other ways it's kind of not. And I, you know, not to get too political, but it all depends on whether or not you believe in the seriousness of this pandemic and whether or not you believe what the science experts um, and the epidemiologists have been telling us this whole time. Because Chicago was very strict and the state of Illinois was very strict and put you know a, a lockdown in place immediately. The stay-at-home order, they closed everything, restaurants, bars, everything. and. Yeah, quarantine has not been fun. Uh, why would it be fun? But the, uh, you see a lot of these states, especially in the South and in the Sun Belt and, and, and in the Southwest, that were so adamant about opening early and getting the economy going. And, uh, you know, everything's fine. This pandemic's overblown. Well, they're the places right now that are that are really struggling. So, you know, I, I don't know. Should Adam Silver and, and his colleagues making these decisions and having these conversations, should they have seen that coming? Should they have had that premonition to say, oh, these states in the South are going to open up too soon and it's going to be a disaster and we shouldn't plan this in Orlando? I, I, maybe. But I, the the idea in general as to your question of, well, where should they have done it otherwise? No place would have been ideal. Like, you know, how about the, the fucking moon? Like where, like, where could you go right now in this country where you would be minimalizing the risks of this stuff um, and, and this pandemic? I, I don't think there's an answer to that. 
I think you're right. And it's, yeah, it's hard to play the hindsight game because hindsight's always twenty twenty. So uh, I, I want to ask you one other thing about this delete eight thing. And again, I want to preface this with, with my idea of backing it. And I tweeted this out too, was I don't think that there's ever going to be games. I, I really don't of among these eight teams, but I do think it is a very good idea to bring all eight teams to one place and allow all these teams to have their own separate facilities to be able to train if they want to. I also think it's a really good idea to sit to, to, to tell players, hey, this is an option. You, you can do this whether you like it or not. It's up to you. And if you don't feel safe, you want to stay home with your family, you feel like uh, you feel like joining the team right now for this is unnecessary and don't want to leave. That's fine. You can opt out of it. But for the guys that maybe don't have access to training facilities and maybe are in contract years or, you know, this is this is a a decision that they're going to have to make that might mean millions or 10 millions of dollars in the immediate future for some guys. Think about Chris Dunn, just for one example. Think about where Chris Dunn's at right now. He's going to play in on a contract year, and we're not even sure what, what his value is. This is a super important year for a guy like that. So I, I can understand why there's some players who would want would be itching to get back and actually join, and I understand why there's players that might not want to, but I, I at least think it's a good idea to start this planning and this process if they, in fact, can do this, because having these teams be in all a bunch of different states, like, for example, Golden State and California, you've got two teams in the Southwest, in Charlotte, and uh, who am I missing? Charlotte and... Atlanta. You got Charlotte and Atlanta in the Southwest. So two teams that have had spiking COVID numbers. Training facilities have been shut down in different states. So bringing all of these teams who want to practice and train and be in one specific area, I think is a good idea. Uh, The call, Matt, though, the Knicks didn't even want to be on the call. So they were clearly out. But who else do you think had a vested interest in kind of pushing this? Because it seemed like there was a wide ranging of opinions on whether there should be a delete eight bubble and whether or not they should even think about doing this. Yeah, well, I, I heard that Atlanta was one of the teams that was very interested. Um, and I mean, you've you've seen Trey Young being pretty active on Twitter over the past, you know, several weeks and, and months, even since the league shut down. And he's been very clear with the opinion that he wants to play um, and, and you know, wants to play and wants to get better. As far as where the Bulls might stand on the spectrum of teams and front offices who want something like this delete eight tourney or, you know, gaming to happen. I, I think AK and Eversley would probably welcome the opportunity to get an, some kind of evaluation of watching these guys up close because, you know, otherwise you're talking about this young roster that they have to evaluate and figure out who stays, who goes, who do we build around? Otherwise they're not watching them play competitively until December at the earliest, as you said. So I would guess that they want this to happen in some kind of way. And also, as we talked about earlier, it would give AK the window to say, here, I've evaluated Jim Boylan. Now I can professionally state without being, you know, too mean about it or too unprofessional about it and firing the guy before I even shook hands with him to say, okay, this was the professional way to do this. 
thanks, Jim. We're going to go in a different direction. It would give the Bulls new front office opportunities to do both of those things. Evaluate the young roster and say that they gave Jim a shot so that they can fire him. Because of those two reasons, I would expect the Bulls would want to do something like this. But the hangup is something that you had mentioned uh, just a moment ago, which is just like players in the Orlando bubble, the Delete 8 bubble will, of course, be up to the players, whether or not they want to participate. And if this, then that, if the Bulls stick with Jim Boylan to come back and play some Delete 8 kind of competitive games against the other seven teams left out, which Bulls players opt in? And which Bulls players opt out? You mentioned Chris Dunn, who, you know, the Bulls have a decision to make on him and his qualifying offer uh, this offseason. You know, Denzel Valentine in a similar boat. But as far as the other pieces of this roster, knowing Jim is the one who's going to continue to coach you in this. Who who among the, the, the players on this Bulls roster would really want to do that? It's a good point. It's a good point. I, I don't even unless think it, you know the, the front office can talk to the players, um, kind of you know around Jim, uh, you know like loop around Jim and say, hey, if you're willing to do this and do this with Jim, we want to evaluate everything. But here's an understanding that we know what you've told us when we had our zoom calls early on in the shutdown, we know your opinion of Jim. We just need to do this. So bear with us. I mean, it's not a great proposal, but at least they could make the players aware of the fact that, Hey, you know, grind through it for another, you know, four weeks or whatever this thing might be. And then we'll find you guys a new coach. I don't think that's that. That's a good point. But I also think that, too, there's something to say, even if Jim Boylan came back and it's not a great proposal to the players, I think also the players realize and understand at some point that they have to be together for chemistry reasons, too, Matt. How many times did we talk about the Bulls just didn't look like they had any chemistry, especially this young group? And a lot of, I know this, it may sound like a straw man argument to some people, but you you talk about and you think about any team that has been good and has been able to develop rapport. What if they had, they've had really great chemistry together. And that's something that you, you can develop to some extent, I guess, on these Zoom calls and texting back and forth and FaceTiming each other. But it's a whole different level when you're together and you're actually being able to play talk through things and just be around each other as a team and get a sense of each other more than they have right now. And these guys, if you think about it, all of these guys collectively haven't played a whole lot together. And while they've been, some of them have been teammates for two or three years, it takes longer than that. Now that's part of my concern with the guys that are coming back and playing this restart into the playoffs is I'm wondering, you know, all the chemistry that some of these teams had, is that going to be completely drained and lost when we come back? And are we going to see some teams pick up different chemistry and go on a hot streak? So I think there's something to be said about teams just being able to come back together and and build a sense of unity, build a sense of chemistry together for the long term. And I think that more more so is important for teams like the Bulls or teams like the Atlanta Hawks, where you're in crucial turning periods of your franchise, where you almost want to hit the gas and take that next step. And even Charlotte, to an extent, I feel like Charlotte has a lot of young rising players. They were better than we thought or anticipated. So I think some of these teams have an interest in coming back uh, more so to just continue to develop their talent, continue to see what right. they have. Uh, Cause that's but, but also see, a big point. 
But, but yeah, but see, that's the issue with the Bulls right now because the the uh, the, the positive the, uh, from the Bulls front office's perspective of, okay, well, if we do this with Jim at the helm still, then we have our way to say we gave Jim a shot. We evaluated Jim. We're moving on. Just hang in there, players. And to your point about chemistry and young roster building chemistry, as Jim Boylan coached it, and as Jim Boylan struggled to make adjustments, if any, there was no chemistry with this young roster. Zach and Lowry still show very little chemistry together. I mean, Zach Levine and Chris Dunn. Kobe White and Zach had a little bit of fun when they got to play a little bit more together down the stretch. But, you know, Wendell Carter. Wendell Carter looked like he was completely, you know, on a different court on the offensive end. Lowry marketing, same thing. So when you talk about building chemistry and you come back to this delete eight idea and say, just hang in there. We're going to give, you know, give Jim a chance to, to fight for his job. We're going to see the same bad basketball, even worse basketball, probably because everybody's been laid off and out of shape and whatever, but it's going to be the same stuff. So I don't think you're gaining much there. If anything, I think you're just reproving the point that Jim Boylan can't build chemistry with a young roster. <laughs> yeah, I think there's chemistry to be built, though, outside of Boylan. You know, conversations they can have when he's not in the room. Or I think there's other things you can do. And Jim Boylan may be good to have there just as far as a structure wise. Maybe there are some benefits while they might be very, very minute. Uh, I think there might be some in the sense that you need somebody there running something if you're going to do this. Uh, and if they're not ready to completely fire him yet, then maybe we do see him running training camps. But uh, I'm still in support. I'm not in support of them playing games until it's fully safe. And if they've had some success with the Orlando bubble and they feel like that they can start games. But I think the first and most important part is just get these eight teams to a city that they feel comfortable where they can start to train every day for the players that want to. Because, again, I will go back to saying it. I know we don't want to think about it right now, but the idea of explaining to some of these franchises that, yeah, you're not going to play for almost a year. And by the way, you're one of our bottom eight teams. And I get Golden State might be an exception. But for the other seven teams, you're in our bottom seven. And uh, you're going to have to ramp things up in six weeks after we're done for an offseason to get right back to playing again. I just I can't see that being explained to some of these franchises. And that's going to have whether we like it or not, it's going to have some negative effects if this is, in fact, what they do and they decide, nah, no Delete 8 tournaments. Uh, teams are just going to have to to figure it out after we're done with this bubble down in Orlando and how we're going to tr- set up training camps and we're going to play it by ear. Just think that there's going right. to be some negative rep- re- repercussions from some of these teams. And it may not just be, it may not be the Bulls. It may be a different one of these bottom seven. And the, the one idea that I've heard that makes it, a little bit more worthwhile and would actually make some sense is I, you know, I said earlier that, you know, they're playing these eight teams would be playing for literally nothing. Give them something to play for. They've already told us that the regular season, quote unquote games in this Orlando bubble will not have an effect on the draft lottery positionings so that when the league shut down on March 12th or 11th, the you know, lottery standings at that time is what they would be taking as far as draft lottery order. 
So they would have to go back on that. They would have to change their mind on that, and maybe some teams would be upset about that. But to say, okay, these delete eight teams, let's have some kind of tournament, or maybe even it's still a win-loss record, and then you could have tiebreakers. Winner picks first, and second, and third, and fourth, and so on. Give these shit teams some incentive to get together and do this. And especially if the league wants to put this stuff on TV as a money grab and how many people, I mean, people are desperate for sports. Maybe people are willing to watch like Bulls Cavs with Zach Levine and, and, you know, Colin Sexton sitting out. I don't know. You know, I'm just kind of uh, hypothesizing right now, but give those delete eight teams some kind of incentive. And then those teams that went to the bubble teams, you know, 17 through 22, leave their draft position, draft lottery positioning where it is. And then just give these eight worst teams an opportunity to win something for their organization moving forward, as in the number one overall pick or a top three pick. I do like that idea. I do like that idea a lot because the NHL did that. They they took one of their picks and before they had the lottery, they said uh, whoever's not going to qualify for the actual playoff in their return will be thrown into a secondary lottery to see who gets the number one pick. I think that's a good and it ended up being in that lottery that it ended up being pulled as the number one. So those teams have a little bit extra incentive. Uh, the ones that may have just missed the cut for the playoffs are having to play these play in games. I think that's a good idea if they can figure that out, but that makes sense. But I also think that, too, uh, the idea that them wanting to play these games is also to meet the minimum requirement for TV contracts, which is a whole nother conversation, too, and whether they're going to lose a bunch of money from that from these bottom eight teams. Uh, And Golden State is one of your biggest markets. I know their team was trash this year, um, but still, like you have massive money coming in from a lot of these markets that if they don't meet that requirement and... They're probably not going to. This is best case scenario. That's something else to think about and why they would have incentive to come back and play tournament games. Again, what does it circle back to? It circles back to money. Just just about how everything in this society does. So I guess speaking we'll just keep our money, eye on Jordan, it, right? Uh, speaking of money, Jordan, do you know whose birthday it is today? I'm not sure. <laughs> Happy <laughs> birthday guy. to the big man. You know, Rob Schaefer tweeted out something and he said, what Chicago athlete would you be most comfortable with giving a 10-year contract to? And I almost replied last night saying, didn't it feel like Cristiano Felicio was on a 10-year contract with the contract we gave him and the amount of time he didn't play for this Bulls team? My God. I mean, you know, everybody was uh, going crazy about the Patrick Mahomes uh, new contract with the Chiefs stuff over the weekend. And I was, my first thought was, Still not a better contract than Felicio's. <laughs> we, we've talked about we're really hot on Bobby Portis, McDermott, um, Nicola Meritich, Felicio. Oh, well, happy birthday to Big Chris. And uh, he's yeah. only 28, man. Still tons of room for improvement. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I guess. Uh, but that's going to about do it here on Locked On Bulls. Thanks again for listening. Uh, thanks to you to our sponsor in Rock Auto. Make sure you mention Locked On if you check out Rock Auto at rockauto.com. Hit us up on our text and voicemail line. We're going to take voicemails and text messages in our mailbag tomorrow. 331-979-1369. Drop us a text or a voicemail. You can tweet at us at Locked On Bulls, at Jordan C. Malley, and at Bulls underscore Peck. We're on Facebook at Locked On Bulls and on Instagram at Locked On Bulls as well. So whatever social media platform you use, uh, you can shoot us a tweet and a message 
there. Uh, and if you don't have social media at all and can't contact us via phone, you can always hit us up on our email if you've got a little bit of a longer thought at LockedOnBulls at gmail.com. So a bunch of places to get your questions in, your thoughts out there. So anything you guys want to talk about draft-wise, uh, talking about this Delete 8 tournament maybe being in Chicago, you want to talk a little bit about Jim Boylan, whatever you got for us, 331-979-1369 or on social media as well. For Matt Peck, I'm Jordan Malley, Bulls Nation. Have a wonderful day. Be back tomorrow with a fresh episode. For Jordan and Matt, we are out. Deuces. Locked on Bulls, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. For more content and to stay up to date, head over to LockedOnBulls.com. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.